Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and today's date is the 6th day of January, 2017, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from Sully Baseball Studio. In Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Los Angeles Dodgers outfielder Jock Peterson and former Detroit Tigers star Dan Petrie. There's a reason I threw it to Dan Petrie, because he is a Tiger, and today we're talking about the Tigers, but not the Detroit Tigers. No, the Tigers of a truly terrible movie that will be the topic of today's podcast. And I have a wonderful, wonderful guest who I've known, we first did comedy together back when the Dutch ruled New York. That's how far back it goes. Uh, His name is Kevin Marr, fabulous comedian, fabulous writer. Go to Kevin Geeks Out for all sorts of funny things that go into the movie worlds, of which I am a permanent resident of geekdom as well. He is on the Sully Baseball Daily podcast today, Kevin Marr. This is your first time on the podcast, so welcome. I'm delighted. Thank you. Yeah, I've, I've been listening to the podcast with my son. He's a baseball nut. I'm more of a movie geek. I only got into baseball when my, my son became a huge Mets fan. Oh, wow. And I knew about your podcast, so I was like, this is a great thing we can listen to in the car. So we've, we've enjoyed you on, on some car trips. Wow. Look at I'm I am helping you raise your son. Absolutely, yeah. Cross-generational <laughs> audience being built. You are doing a live show in New York, correct? That's right. We do. Uh, we we pick a topic each month, and we'll do two shows at some different venues. I've been doing shows at Nighthawk Cinema, and now the new Alamo Draft House that opened in downtown Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Do you know what they're calling the neighborhood of downtown Brooklyn? Uh, I'm prob- nickname uh, probably like Boho or something like that. Dobro. Oh, st- my! That's isn't that awful? That's stupider than the thing I said. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so now when I promote, I'm like, you know, the uh, the, the Alamo Draft House in. I'm just going to go ahead and say downtown Brooklyn. I will take the extra syllables. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. the The theme for January is rip off cinema, and we're watch, we're talking about a movie that was a, a rip off. Can can uh, any of our listeners guess what Here Comes the Tigers <laughs> Little League Baseball movie is a rip off of? Oh, now this is a film. Here come the Tigers. Now, you and I both watched this. This, yeah. is, this is turning into an episode of Proudly Resents, but um, yeah. <laughs> we, we both watched this movie. It came out in um, 1978. Right. So it came out, that's, I guess, back in the 70s. That's how long it took to rip off a hit movie that caught everyone off guard. Right. And what I, what I love about it is it came out in April 78. Just a couple months before the Bad News Bears sequel, <laughs> so they stole the thunder of the sequel with the with the ripoff. So this is Here Come the Tigers is a shameless, blatant ripoff of the Bad News Bears, which arguably the best baseball movie of all time, certainly top five. It's weird because you go in there's so many like superficial parallels. But then I know from the Bad News Bears, Michael Ritchie, the director of the, the original classic Bad News Bears, um, he wanted non-professional actors because he didn't like the Brady Bunch style 
performance of child actors, you know, how they're so phony and put on. Yeah. He wanted like authentic real kids. So he wanted amateurs and non-professionals. This movie also has non-professional actors. <laughs> and it's like it doesn't have the same effect. Well, the thing that made the bad news experience so startling was that that the kids were dirty, the kids swore, the kids were nasty to each other. They they didn't have that polished look. And so therefore, for a lot of people, it's the first time you looked at kids and they're like, Yeah, that's what kids look and sound like. And it still holds up because of you know, because of Matthau and you know, and and the great cast that they had. But and how about how about the ending? How about how heartbreaking that it's a kids? I mean, it's not really a kids movie. Well, right. is it PG or R? I can't remember. I don't know. Now would be but now the, would be NC seventeen. But yeah. <laughs> but the the boldness of of having the bad news bears lose the big game is amazing, and it's it's remarkable that I feel like you know in in researching ripoff movies. I feel like when when a ripoff comes out, they, they they try to find some way to like we're gonna rip off a movie, but we'll improve upon it in some way. And in the case of Here Comes the Tigers, they're like, oh, it's gonna be the Bad News Bears, but in the end, they win, which really misses misses the point <laughs> of the Bad News Bears. And it's funny that came out the same year as Rocky, and he Rocky doesn't win. Bad News no. Bears, yeah, it's that that's a mid seventies trope, which was down now. Am I confusing? Did you write the comparison? I, I said that they're they're Vietnam stories, that yes. they're movies that are about losing the Vietnam War and culturally coming to terms with that. And that you had the the same year Bad News Bears came out, there were there were uh, Vietnam veterans who who protested in Washington, and I think they would like they would take their their Purple Hearts and their medals and they would throw them at the Pentagon. They refused it, and at the end of Bad News Bears, they take the second place trophy and they throw it at the winning team. Yeah, they're like shove it, Yankees. Shove all right, well, we can, we can go off on a tangent about a great movie, but let's talk about a crap movie, shall we? Let's talk about a terrible movie instead. Yeah, I, rip off cinema. Now, Here Come the Tigers is, uh, I watched it on Amazon Prime. It cost me nothing, and I don't think I got my money's worth. <laughs> you're the, you're, the you're out an hour and a half. I know. <laughs> Someday when I, I realized those are times I could be spending with my kids. Um, one of the things that was so funny is they play Mozart at the beginning. Of course, they use the the overture of Carmen in the Bad News Bears so brilliantly to the point where Mo, I think there's a whole generation that associates that music with the Bad News Bears and not with Absolutely. the opera. And so they start yeah. with Mozart in a way that was kind of like, let's just, you know, oh, they played classical. We'll play classical. And I think that that's another distinction is like once once I had a kid playing Little League, I understood the Bad News Bears so much better that it's like it does feel like high drama watching your kid mm-hmm. play Little League. It's it's like a, it's like an opera. And here comes the Tigers is like watching kids that aren't yours play Little League. <laughs> you couldn't <laughs> care less. It's boring and you you have nothing invested. The characters are so thinly developed, like they're they're. The kids are kind of interchangeable. Yeah. Like they, they're not, they, each one has just a minor distinguishing feature, but I couldn't tell you half the kids' names. There's a kid, they go out of their way. One, one of the kids eats a booger so yeah. that he literally, in the spirit of uh, a booger eating moron from, from Bad News Bears, they have a kid 
eat a booger on camera. That's kind of his introduction. So you, you kind of know like, oh, the black kid is supposed to be like the black kid in the bed and his bears. Um, they, they do have a girl on the team. So, you know, you've got the, the girl player. Yeah. Um, there's a juvenile delinquent, just like Kelly, Kelly Leak. Ball busting Rivera. They really put their back into that name there. And yeah. uh, for those of you who who don't believe this film is as horrible as it is, there's a scene with ball busting Rivera, which I swear is his name. They have a build up to him doing kind of an American graffiti uh, chain to the car uh, crash. And that was his big crime that yeah. he commits. And the buildup is like, I felt like we were watching raw footage. I was almost expecting a clapper <laughs> to come in. You know, it was just so, it was, there was no rhythm to it. Oh, it was being committed in real time. Yeah. And then there's a, after, immediately after that, there is a chase where they take oh, the okay. Mozart music, uh, add slide whistles, and they did it fast motion. So it was like a Benny Hill sketch. And yeah. you, it, it did the impossible. It made me appreciate Benny Hill. <laughs> well, what's funny is that they, they do one, you know, the camera is placed and they do a sped up chase scene and then they do like eight more Yeah, where they just keep showing it. And it, it kind of defeats the purpose of a sped up. If your sped up chase scene takes four and a half minutes, <laughs> it defeats the purpose of a sped up chase scene. But they did, they did use, um, I, I, if I ever teach a film class, I will show there's one scene where they, they use sound to tell a dog crap joke. Because uh, James uh, Zvanet's character uh, puts his hand <laughs> in something, and you hear, you know, you hear a sound like of a squish, and then he looks at his hand, and they add the sound effect of woof woof. So it's like, oh, what was that? Dog poop. Ah. I mean, when people who aren't funny make comedies, they do things like have people fall on the ground. He's so, clumsy. So you know, that's Jar Jar Binks. Nothing yeah. is less funny than someone who's clumsy. And yet people who aren't funny think clumsy's funny. But but that the, the the falls are so unmotivated right. that it's almost like, should we be concerned about this guy? Does he have an inner ear infection? Is is something off with his balance? And I, I also wrote down, I took notes. Um I was gonna ask you, what's your opinion of funny sound effect? Small. Well, mine was lots of mileage on the slide whistle. Uh, <laughs> it, you, it's classic. You're in the edit room. We got to do something. Yeah. We'll add that. I mean, James Vanett made me long for the subtlety of Eddie Deason. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if anyone gets that joke, I know you would get that joke. If anyone got that joke, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, but yeah, Eddie Deason was a classic around that time. Um, I, 1941, Greece, War Games. That was we went through a time when it was good to be Eddie Deason. Oh, that was the Eddie Deason Renaissance we were living. Those in. are the salad days of Eddie Deason. <laughs> um, the other, the other useful effect of of having the the sounds in there is like someone will throw the ball and they'll have like a whoosh, you know, the the yeah sound of a ball going fast. Um, I noticed watching it that the the camera frames things in such a way where. They, they go in so tight on the batter that you never, you hardly ever see the ball make contact with the bat, right. but they'll, they'll, they'll add the crack noise, you know, the crack. And um, it's all implied. It's almost like, like a, a movie version of Greek drama where the, the, <laughs> the ball playing is taking place off camera. And sometimes like 
you see the umpire react like a guy runs to first and the camera is showing the umpire who says he's out that way they don't have to film child actors you know doing choreography and catching a ball yeah. it, it's such lazy uh filmmaking i'll tell you another thing is that and tying this to baseball there's a statistic in baseball called wins above replacement. And if there's ever an example of wins above replacement in a movie being dropped, that you replacing Walter Matthau with Richard Lincoln. I mean, that is a, I mean, what this film showed was how someone like Matthau brings, I mean, he was such a great actor anyhow, obviously one of the greatest comedic actors of all time, but just such a great actor anyway. And he yeah. brought so much humanity and realism to that part. And what is motivating him that he talked to God, you know, he, there's a contrived scene at the beginning of the film where this character is a police officer. A guy's about to commit suicide because he's gone nuts. And he says, I want you to coach my team. And I said, I'll, do it there's your motivation which is very much do you, do you do this when you watch movies where somebody gives you the premise in dialogue and you're like that's what they'd use in the trailer if, right. if there were a trailer for here comes the tigers which you is. would open the trailer with don't kill yourself i'll coach the baseball team <laughs> but, but that that sets up the story he has no like there's he is there's no on-screen personality for him there's just nothing he brings yeah. no humor. He brings no empathy. He just is a, he's a living, you put a mirror under his nose, there's steam. So he's <laughs> alive. Yeah. And he's not, he's not a good cop among corrupt no. cops. He's not a guy who's, uh, is, whose father loved baseball. You know, there's no real connection or, or, uh, like you said, there's no real driving motivation. Unlike so. Matthau, who was a, who was a failed baseball player. Who yeah. didn't want to do this and was trying to, you know, there was there was there were motivations behind it, and I remember I, one thing I said out loud is he has a wife, and after one of the games, the guy's sitting with his wife. The fact that I have to call him this guy, I don't remember Richard Lincoln. I don't remember the character's name at all. Okay, I, Eddie. Eddie, I think. It's maybe the fact we have to say I think. What was Walter Matthau's character's name? Buttermaker, Morris Ex Buttermaker. Exactly. We don't even, exactly. There's no, there's, you don't pause. But after yeah. one of the games in Here Come the Tigers, he sits down with his wife. He says, they're great kids. And I said out loud, really? They seem like awful kids. These are which, terrible kids. Which is also weird because early on he accepts the coaching position and he says, you know, they repeat it a couple of times. My wife's going to kill me. Oh, but the my wife's going to really be against this. And then you meet the wife in the first scene. She has zero conflicts whatsoever. She yeah. supports the husband. She supports the team. It's such a misdirect to no to no end. They had a, they of course they bring in the Asian kid, and the Asian kid does karate, but he also can hit home runs at will. And of course, he does what? What is the great? Possibly one of the great scenes in cinema is in Here Come the Tigers when the Asian kid does what? They throw a baseball. He's standing at home plate. The pitcher throws the baseball, and he gives it a karate punch. Yeah. He all but says hi-ya when he does it. Did they have a gong play? I can't remember. Um, maybe when he's first introduced, there is. I yeah. think the first time we see him, he is wearing white robes with a... He is. If not a black belt, you know, a, a karate student belt. 
But there, yeah. there's, there's another there's another element to this movie because there is no conflict in this movie um, that people are like betting on Little League games and people know the stats. So even one point, the, the, the wife says, you know, his fielding percentage is really going up. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's just it's dialogue that's there to help move the plot. That people would never normally say. Also, the mom of the the mother of the deaf kid says, "We're gonna teach those cruds a lesson," and I feel like crud is a word I don't know outside of the bad news bears. <laughs> Do you remember in the seventies where people saying crud? My, I remember crud. I think crud was like shoot. It was a way to say crap without saying crud. Okay, <laughs> that crap is even too much. Yeah. And then uh, one of my favorite things we talked about before was that. Uh, that they get inspiration, that the Tigers team gets inspiration from going to a screening of Star Wars yeah. in Westport, Connecticut. And and the detail for that is, that's where I first saw Star Wars, in the theater at Westport, Connecticut. This, it took me about 20 minutes to, or I don't know, maybe 40 minutes to realize this was shot in Connecticut. Yeah. And I, got to, I assumed it was L.A., but uh, I, I spent almost all my summers in that part of Connecticut. Uh, so my mother and father are born and raised in Bridgeport. And the, where I saw Star Wars for the first time was the theater where they saw Star Wars. And, you know, of course, it's uh, they were like, the makers, I wish we could rip off that film, but we don't quite have the money to rip <laughs> that film off yet. It would have been even better in the reality of Here Comes the Tigers that instead of going to see Star Wars, they go to see Star Crash. <laughs> War stars. Uh, <laughs> the the film is terrible. I think we've made it cl- clear. Um, so at one point in this film, one of the things where they try to do is they try to have a connection between the main character, who's the Walter Matthau replacement, and ball-busting Rivera, who's the Kelly Leak replacement, who's this yeah. sort of juvenile delinquent Hispanic kid who you know, who commits crimes but really wants to just be accepted. And he has like a he has he prays to God at one point, which is an interesting yeah. twist in the film. But they have a scene where the the kid Balbus Rivera leaves the ballpark and is wandering around Fairfield County, Connecticut, as it's getting darker. And the main character, whose name I still don't know, we'll just call him Richard Lincoln, is following him in a car down the streets of Westport, Connecticut, and the background is this maudlin ballad. Oh, yeah. This love song, which includes the the lyric, wanting to say I love you, wanting to hear you love me too. What the hell is going on? <laughs> this is a grown man driving after a 13-year-old boy. I mean, did you feel weirded out by that, or were you too far gone? I, I guess I didn't zero in on the lyrics. <laughs> But it's all there. It's all there. Oh man, yeah. I next time we do karaoke, I'm doing the love song <laughs> from Here Come the Tigers. Um, uh, just a couple of the notes I wrote. Um, uh, every Let shot. Ask- every shot looks like the last one of the day that they had to do quickly before they lose the light. <laughs> um, is this little league? Is there any consistency in the age of the players on this team? 
Because some kids looked like they were four, and some kids looked like they were fifteen. Yeah, it's it's really bizarre. Um, I I also wrote down how often the they they not just one or two people falling down, but like the you talked about how it's funny when somebody falls down, but it's funny. Imagine if eight people fall down, you know, yeah. guy. Um, any opportunity to have people fall down in in baseball, they they really milk it. And then here's my question. In the end, we, we've established the Tigers win the big game. And they spoiler, win. Not by spoiler, one, spoiler, spoiler. Not by one run. The kid, the kid hits a grand slam when they were down by one run. So they, they couldn't just win by one run. They win, they win by a lot. Yeah. Um, but then there's like a slow motion victory moment. But it's, it's really odd. And I don't know if it was the camera speed, but it, it looks like the actors are moving in slow motion, but it's filmed and played back at regular speed. It's really weird. Uh, I, I have nothing. I have nowhere to to take you on that one. There, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to do something. Um, I'm kind of stealing something from Spiegelman here. Um, what's one good thing from this movie? Oh man, um, I guess if if you're looking. For some, if you feel like the Bad News Bears did not have enough fart jokes, <laughs> this movie delivers again and again that one of the kids on the team has these deadly farts that at one point they uh, they go to like the pizza place and they clear out the pizzeria because he farts. So if it's fart jokes you're after, this movie's got it. <clears throat> but uh, I'm, you know what? I'm going to say there was one scene that actually was felt almost sincere that's that's that it was one scene that when it happened i thought oh i actually if that was the tone of this i would be fine with this i'm not fine with it but it would say okay this is a just a bad film as opposed to just something like awful and that was there's a scene between i can i don't remember the characters names but there's between one of the kids and the girl player and during it they're talking to each other and he's trying to ask her out to a drive-in movie and she's giving him crap like oh is your dad gonna drive you i could sneak in all right pick me up there and for some reason that was like oh do you what that was kind of interesting that you're adding horniness to it and how am i gonna i'm 13 how am i gonna try to be smooth with the girl on the team and she's trying to get be gruff back to him and i said you know that's actually that was actually a nice exchange i guess oh man we've lowered the bar here i mean we this is that we've had dog crap jokes and and a love ballad to a 13 year old boy so i guess when a scene like that that actually seemed like a competent piece of filmmaking it stood out and it became the jewel in the crown but, it's also one of those things sometimes you see like a bad kids movie where the and I'm I'm sure if you're if your kids ever watch like a Disney Channel show or different like live action Nickelodeon shows, the adult actors are are either bad actors or they're being given directions to play it incredibly broadly. So sometimes if you have two child actors together without the without the adults camping it up, you get a very different like scene, you know? Yeah, the the intimacy of two child actors together sometimes uh, is benefits without having a broad adult yucking it up. Yeah, like it's the difference between what kids are really like and what people think kids are like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, 
You know, I've never seen a kid draw a backwards R in my life. <laughs> That's always a pet peeve of mine. Whenever there's like children's drawings yeah. in a TV show, it's like, okay, an art director made that to look like what they think a kid's drawing of a fire truck is. Yeah. Kid didn't draw that. Yeah. Now, now you should know this, and I'm, I'm going to throw this your way. The director of this film was Sean S. Cunningham. Sean S. Cunningham, who uh, uh, he, he had a little bit of a background in horror because he produced Last House on the Left for Wes Craven, which was just like a really gruesome, uh, but before Wes Craven did Nightmare on Elm Street and uh, The Hills Have Eyes, it was, it was his breakout low-budget film, Last House on the Left. So Sean S. Cunningham produced that, directed Here Come the Tigers, and then after this, in 1978, after this came out, he was trying to make a kid's soccer comedy, kind of like a soccer version of Here Come the Tigers. Which later um, became Ladybugs, right? Or I don't know. I don't know if it ever got made. Rodney Dangerfield found the script and said, let's do it. But um, he would go on to make Friday the 13th. And that's, that's what he became. The original one. Best known the for original. It, the original Friday the 13th. And when he was trying to sell his soccer comedy, he was, he was just brainstorming like titles with really good hooks. And he came up with Friday the 13th. And he's like, that's not really right for a kid's soccer comedy, but I'm going to use it for something else. And um, on the topic of ripoffs, there's, there's some debate as to whether or not Friday the 13th was a Halloween ripoff. Mm. You know, I'll let the internet debate that one. But, uh, yeah, it is the the guy who made Here Comes the Tigers went on to make Friday the Thirteenth. Wow. And I would argue that I would rather have my kids watch Friday the Thirteenth than Here Come the Tigers, but that could be just <laughs> me. By the way, the the credits not only are the, uh, uh, the the cast anonymous, like the the crew is anonymous, save for Mr. Cunningham, except when you scroll down to the credit of Gaffer. Do you whose credit is the Gaffer of this? I film? didn't. I didn't notice who's the Gaffer. Wes Craven. You're kidding me. Nope. Wow. Yeah. That is unbelievable. Yeah. That's like the <laughs> only, it's, this is, this has never happened where the only name that I recognize is the gaffer. <laughs> hey, but you got a bit great gaffing, right? Oh man, it was lit. I well, take it, I it, take it back. The best thing about the movie, the gaffing. <laughs> go plug, go plug away because. Okay. You got KevinGeeksOut.com, which will tell you about the upcoming shows. Uh, we're, we're doing something every month at Nighthawk Cinema and the Alamo Draft House in Dobro in downtown Brooklyn. And um, you call I, it Dobro again. I'm flying out there, and I'm going to beat you with an aluminum bat. Okay, keep going. You know, you know, there's nothing more Dobro than calling it Dobro. Ironically, uh, so we have shows coming up about uh, Kevin geeks out about ripoff cinema, about supporting uh, character actors, doing a show about wizards, mm. wizards in movies and television. Um, and then uh, in the spring, we're going to be doing a, a show about uh, monsters. I'm really looking forward to the, the monsters show because by then we're going to be doing like a matinee. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's going to be an all-ages show, which I'm really excited about doing like a comedy variety show for all ages. I'm up to the challenge. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm doing a podcast for all ages because evidently you listen with your son. Yeah. So, yeah. Kevin Marr, I've known you forever, and now you are amongst the people who sail along the River Sully. So thanks so much for being <laughs> part of this. Thank you. And um, I don't know whether to say thank you or another word that ends with K and goes to you uh, in terms of introducing me to the film Here Come the Tigers. Uh, but, uh, man, that was, uh, that was a truly horrible movie. 
I feel like now you have a yardstick for the year 2017 of what's the worst movie you've seen this year. That it's going to be the yardstick was this worse than Here Comes the Tiger. Yeah, I mean, I saw it on January 3rd. Um, it's the leader of the clubhouse right now. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's, there's no way around that. So, hey, go to KevinGeeksOut.com or follow Kevin Geeks Out on Twitter, especially if you're a big movie fan. Uh, you just go, you've always done great stuff. You're a funny, clever guy. Uh, I don't care. So what, I don't care what people say about you. I say you're a fucking <laughs> clever guy. Um, hey, Kevin, where can people go to find me? Uh, Sully Baseball. I mean, we're talking Instagram, mm-hmm. Stitcher, iTunes. Um, well, Instagram is slightly different. It's Sully Baseball Podcast on That's Instagram. Right. Yeah. But the rest of them, it's all. If you Google Sully Baseball, you're going to get a treasure trove of. Paul Sullivan's podcast coming at you every day for the last how many years, Paul? Uh, since October twenty fourth, twenty twelve. So it's going to be it's yeah. been more than four years. It's, that's congratulations, congratulations or condolences. Not sure, hundred <laughs> sure. It's either a great accomplishment or I have a problem. Um, but hey, thanks for being part of the show. Uh, and hey, Kevin Marr, what can people call your host, Paul Francis Sullivan? Sully. <laughs>